Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. It's one thing to be a woman in business and another to be a young woman in business. From being underestimated to people patronizing you, it's safe to say that you've got to develop a thick skin fast. After building a profile and growing a following as a teenager, DM founder Emma Bates has experienced the highs and lows of building your own brand and business at a young age. In today's episode, the founder of DM Social Network shares the pressure of being a woman in business, her journey to founding a safe online community, and how to get better at putting ourselves out there. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Emma. Emma, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Amazing. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in business and tech, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. No, I'm excited to share more. Amazing. So for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, so obviously I'm Emma. I'm currently the co-founder of a company called DM. We are building a verticalized search engine that is powered by a community of women who get paid to share what they know. And we started DM a couple of I guess like 18 months ago now, really with the end goal of no woman ever having to type, is it normal into a search bar ever again? And based off of multiple personal experiences and many that I'm sure that you probably have had as well. Um, And so we really just know that there's a better solution and we can build it via incentivizing a community to share what they know. Before that, I worked for a direct consumer company called Away. I led partnerships, brand partnerships, love to partnerships, et cetera, for the first three years of the company. I joined there in about 2016 when there were around 10 employees and was there through unicorn status. So it was a crazy couple of years. Prior to that, I was at a creator network called Whaler and I was one of the first employees there and scaled out their creators from zero to 300 when creators were called influencers. Um, and um, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I graduated from King's College um, and that was my first job out of King's College. I actually used to write a blog as well, which is where my entry into marketing came from. And I taught myself how to market via scaling a blog. So here we are. <laughs> Here we are. We're backwards in time and then uh, forwards. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness, Emma. I can't wait to dive into your business, your story. Before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Well, I don't know why I just thought about where I grew up. <laughs> I, grew, <laughs> I grew up in England, sort of just southwest of London. And I guess I don't really know how it, I mean, I had a very nice upbringing, like very lucky, very privileged upbringing. So I, I guess like I always felt comfortable to explore uh, interests. And uh, I grew up, my dad is a CFO and my mum runs her own company. So I kind of grew up with both uh, perspectives and both my sister and I now run our own companies. So I don't really know what you can take from that. Uh, <laughs> but um, we were given a lot of freedom to just like be who we are, which I think is nice. I find it fascinating. Your mum ran the company. That is so cool. You know, seeing your mum do the day to day of what it means to run a business, you know, at, I imagine a young age growing up, I guess, what was that insight like into the world of business, running your own thing, creating your own thing? And I guess, you know, I want to understand a bit more about Emma, the early days and the early years, you know, were you kind of inspired at that time to create things or were you like, no, nah, I'm not even interested, like whatever, mum, <laughs> you know, talk to us a little bit about yeah that. Yeah. Um, well, my mum, I think she ran her own business so that she could also look after us. Like she always worked from home. I'm probably an early work from home adapter, clearly. Um, she always worked from home. She always picked us up from school. Um, she was always sort of there to be both the mother and also the business owner, I suppose. And really, I think the biggest thing I took from it was she just loved what she does sort of thing like and she still does it so I think that that's that was probably a big motivator she's also a very creative thinker and I'm very creative so yeah I think multiple things that I'm sure were deeply embedded from a young age that I'm just acknowledging the young Emma was she entrepreneurial no definitely not 
I, I don't think I ever really considered it, to be honest. Um, I have always been very motivated and very driven to like be successful, whatever successful means. I don't think I ever thought that would equate to the running and scaling a company. Um, that really formed as I got into the world of startups and as I, I guess I was working in as fastest growing direct consumer brands in the last five years, I was there from the very beginning and I saw how crazy it is, how fun it is, how much opportunity there is. And so I think from working there, I just like, I didn't really have an option, but to try, I, I don't know where else I would have worked. And I was so passionate about the idea for DM that I was like, well, if even if I went and got another job, all I'd be doing is thinking about this problem. I love how you said problem because I think so many of us have this warped perception of what it means to kind of be a business owner, to be an entrepreneur. I think <sighs> social media these days, you know, it's also sexy to have a cut, to be a young CEO, all this stuff. And talk to us a little bit about that, you know, and changing that stereotype or just demystifying it. And for you, because you were in on it in the early days, you know, was that demystified quite easily or quickly? And if so, you know, what was that experience like? And and how can we just embrace the messy side of this journey? I think it's tricky. I think there's two, I have two answers to this. One, yes, I was very exposed to the sort of grit of startups. And I love that. Like that's my favorite thing is like being scrappy and figuring stuff out and things going wrong the entire time. They always go wrong. And yeah, I think that that's fun. Like I find that very fun. I think that a lot of people don't like that. They like more security and they like more assurances of what their job means and what their role progression is. And like, that's totally fine. But that is what startups are. Like your job changes every two weeks, basically. <laughs> and, or hopefully not that often, but, but it can. And you kind of just have to be someone that's happy to just learn whatever it is that you're learning that week. So that's what I think was very exciting to me. And what remains to be exciting to me is just figuring things out and knowing that you're capable and smart enough to figure out whatever it is that comes your way. I think from the other side of it, being okay to be a bit messy or like embrace the messiness, I suppose. I'm very fine with it internally. I think the challenge comes from um, expectations placed on founders who happen to identify as women. And that unfortunately, you have to be super buttoned up. You have to have more than your male counterparts from a metrics perspective, from a product perspective, from a qualifications perspective, from a even followers perspective. Like there's a huge pressure on founders who happen to be more forward facing. I had a following before I started DM to create this brand for yourself. Um, and so I think that the sort of messiness of it, I hope that platforms like DM can, can provide a bit more insight into behind the scenes and what it really takes. But I think it's, I don't know, it's pretty daunting to be like, yeah, things are on fire most of the time. We're putting them out as quickly as we possibly can. And we're also making great progress at the same time as the fire seemingly destroying everything that you're doing. And yeah, I'm fine with it personally. It's just, I think that other people aren't fine with that being the reality. How can we become fine with it if we ourselves, if we're not there yet and we feel the need to put on that shield or that armor or that gloss? I think about most things outside of myself, I think a lot of the time, like I'm very good at 
focusing on the mission or focusing on my personal mission in life or focusing on things like the grander scale of problem in the world. And if you accepting the messiness and showing up authentically and like being tired and acknowledging that you're tired or being like, oh, fuck, I really screwed that one up and like publicly admitting to it within your company or or wherever else. I think that's the most power you can have over it is just being an authentic leader, perhaps. Was there ever a time where you felt like you weren't leading from that place of authenticity and that you were just caught up in the chaos of the gloss and what it should look like. You know, I definitely feel myself in the early days, even still sometimes today, I have to catch myself and go, oh my goodness, just be real about this. You know, we don't have to gloss over this or it doesn't have to be this way. You know, was there ever a time for you where you felt that and how did you navigate through that? I grew up with a social media following. I've had followers since I was 19 years old. And so I'm, I'm not phased. Like the concept of keeping up appearances or posting regularly or the gloss or any of that sort of stuff, I'm completely disassociated with it. The fact that that's there is it's there. It's helpful sometimes. And so for me, I don't think I ever really had that moment of being so wrapped up in this like glitz and glamour of being in press articles and being this and being whatever because like that's just not the point like that's not the point of your company it's not the point of why you founded the business it's a byproduct of it it's something you have to do even if you don't want to do it so I think for me I've never really lost track of the point I guess (laughs) so lucky oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) oh I love that So I want to dive a bit deeper into your story. So you're navigating through it. You've got the CFO as a dad, this amazing mother who's a business owner, and you ended up heading off to King's College of London. You did a Bachelor of Arts. I think it was in War Studies. Talk to us a little bit about your time at King's and kind of what it taught you about yourself and what you wanted to do with your life. I wanted to go to King's because I wanted to go to university in London. I had never had any desire really to go to a campus university. I don't know why. I just was like, I want to live an adult life. Like, why would I go and live for three years in like a city that's not quite as good as London, um, <laughs> to be completely honest? Um, and, um, and I also knew that like the opportunity was in London. Like I did internships whilst I was at university, not just in my summers, like during term time. And, uh, I think that that was really exciting to me as like, I was like, why would I travel away from the place that I know I could build my career in, or I could start doing that really soon. Um, and I also like the subject matter, war studies, which sounds very vague and it is kind of vague. The degree itself was fascinating. It was basically, you could pick almost any type of conflict and political uh, conflict, physical war, whatever it might be, and learn about it and like learn about the psychology. The thing that fascinates me is psychology of human beings. That's why I love marketing so much. It was such an interesting three years. Like every single lecture, you basically had a guest lecturer from MI5 or somewhere cool coming in and talking to you about stuff that you weren't allowed to tell anyone else. It was just so interesting, like getting that understanding of how the world works. And there's this really famous war historian called Clausewitz. And he said that war is politics by other means, which 
I think is really interesting when you think about that in like our current society and like why things happen. And basically war is the most extreme version of human behavior that we can possibly do. I guess bringing it back to like what I learned about myself is where I first really understood the idea of gender equality in the world because uh, I wrote my thesis on gender and sexual-based violence during areas of conflict and post-conflict. And so I wrote have like 10, 20,000 words, whatever it was, on places like uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Bosnia, all sorts of different wars that had gone on like in the 20 years prior. And that to me, I was like, hang on a second, peacekeepers are abusing their power for sex to like against these women and children that they're supposed to be protecting and the UN has deployed them to protect and they're not doing their job. I think that that was like my first real like, oh my God, like there's all these things that happen in the world and I've never experienced any of them because I'm very lucky. Um, But that was like my first, I think, real like, okay, I'm really passionate about this. I started a blog while I was at university when I was 19 and it scaled to tens, hundreds of thousands of readers at one point. So I've learned a lot about what I enjoyed doing and a lot of that was creative like I had lots of film photography which is why I uploaded them on my blog that's why I started it and and then I really love writing and I still do a lot of writing with DM I write our weekly newsletter for example and there's just like a lot of things that I learned during my time at university both my interest in doing something to have even the smallest of impact on gender equality and then second like realizing my skills lie within creative storytelling and within my passion like I'm so passionate about marketing and partnerships and just like expanding people's audiences I think it's so cool like it's so fun how you can do that um and I learned that at university but not by studying it I love how for you it was both the study itself and then outside of study that really kind of got you understanding what you love, what you like, what you want to do. You know, for our peers out there listening who perhaps they're in their first job or they're starting their first business or maybe they are in their final year of studies but they feel like they've only gotten one. You know, they've only been able to identify or learn from their course, for example, or on the other hand, just learn about themselves. You know, what advice would you give to our peers out there listening to us about being able to draw from all experiences, whether it's personal, whether it's, you know, more professional in terms of learning, college life, you know, how can we draw from that and see the value in it all as opposed to just the one where you get the certificate at the end? I think it's also just not, it's not about time boxing your learning journey. I mean, I will, I'm only 28. Um, I hope I learn more in my life. Um, <laughs> I hope this isn't the end. Um, and, um, so I think it's, it's about not putting pressure on yourself. Like if, you, if you're feeling like you're lacking something in your life, sure, try and figure out what that is. Ask yourself, what do you really enjoy doing? What does that equate to in whether it be a job or whether it be a hobby or whatever it might be? And like explore that, like read books, listen to people talking about things that you've identified that you're interested in. Basically, we live in a culture of just like people needing to be overachievers the whole time. Like every Gen Z person I know seems to have like seven jobs. And I'm like, <laughs> just be a child (laughs) and like just like enjoy that moment in time because it's why you're extending the stress younger in your life I have no idea and I think it's so impressive at the same time all these individuals who have like 
built these things around themselves. It's like amazing because they have the tools to do it with social media. Don't like feel bad if you haven't found your thing. Don't put pressure on yourself to be like, oh my God, I'm underachieving. No one's underachieving. You're like doing a great job just being a human being. Uh, And if you happen to find things that you're interested in and you want to spend all your time on, then that's like a bonus. It's a bonus. I, I love that. Talking about overachieving at a young age, I think you're about 24 when you started <laughs> off. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw this one back at you. No, but <laughs> head of global marketing at Away, as you mentioned, one of the biggest startups in the last kind of 10 years in New York. And you were there for, as you mentioned, as first term for about three years. Talk to us a little bit about how that opportunity came about and what it was like to be in a position of leadership at such a young age. I would just like, if we're in the spirit of authenticity, um, I think that startup titles sound a little bit fancier than the actual role. Um, just to level with everyone there, I wasn't leading a team of a hundred people by any means. Um, I, I actually, my role, uh, STEM was predominantly in partnerships and expanding customer growth via brand and celebrity partnerships, which happened to also skew international. It all came from me creating this blog. Like I, I had like at one point, I think I had a following of like 90,000 people or something like that. And like a lot of my blog was centered around travel and I got to travel around the world for free, which was something that sadly no longer happens. Um, (laughs) and honestly, like, one of my biggest regrets. Um, but I think that, um, like, give me free flights. I would love that. Please. Um, Please. Um, oh. Yeah. I, I don't know. That really laid the groundwork. And then um, I've always been very centered on growing, not my network. I hate that word, but I love meeting new people. And I have always gone out of my way to make friends or make acquaintances with people outside of my immediate friendship groups, like since I was like 14. And so I I did that, like I met one of the Away co-founders before Away even was created. It was while I was still at university and I talked to her about my thesis that I've written on the DRC because Away was considering doing this social impact partnership. This was like, I guess like just as they were like thinking of the idea. this social impact partnership with a company or an organization called Peace Direct. And they operated in the Congo with like, as well as other places to promote peace. And so I was talking a lot about that. And then like, we just kept in touch over a year, I guess, um, since then. And then I decided very ambitiously upon graduating that I was going to move to New York. I was working for a different company, the Creator Network at the time. And uh, I didn't have a visa, which I wouldn't recommend. Um, <laughs> But I decided I'd try. (laughs) Um, So that's how I got to New York. And then about six months after, after flying back and forth a few times, I got myself a job offer with Away. Uh, They sponsored my visa, which was very lucky. It took a really long time because by the time they were sponsoring it, Trump was in power. So (laughs) that's the the true story that you don't say on LinkedIn. But yeah, I think titles definitely are misleading, but I did do a lot of things while I was at Away. (laughs) How can we get better at 
going after what we want, even when we don't have a visa, we are super young, we don't really know what we're doing. And, you know, we just have this burning desire. Like, how can we get better at just putting ourselves out there like you did, whether it's with the network or whether it was just jumping on a plane to New York and actually Mm. believing that that could turn into something legit? I think it's really acknowledging that you don't know what it is when it's happening. Like you don't know what that it is. Like I had no idea that I wanted to move to New York because like it's the best city in the world. I didn't know that at the time. I just had a feeling that I really needed to be there um, or felt like I needed to be there, um, even if the US immigration didn't want that. And I think it's just really accepting like follow your gut instinct if you can. I think one of the biggest things that I did was I saved tons of money. Like I saved so much money from my job, which was my blog while I was at university. And I also worked part-time for, I hate to say it, Abercrombie. Um, and, <laughs> and so I saved all of the money while I was at university. And I think that when you have a foundation of money that you can spend, you can take more risks. I was lucky to be able to take those risks and be like, I'm going to try, like, why not? Um, At least see if I like it for three months. Yeah, I would say that building the financial foundations for yourself, if you're like worried about taking a leap, uh, always helps, even if it's just a couple of thousand dollars, $5,000, something like that. It doesn't have to be tens of thousands or anything. That always helps. And then I think just like, trust your gut instinct. Like I had no idea why I wanted to be here. I just like knew I wanted something else. And I figured out what that was when I started doing it. Such valuable advice. I want to talk about DM and the idea for the business. So you're in New York, you finally made it. You got kicked out of the country a couple of times, but you're here. And it's 2019, I think it was like late 2019, and you started the business in Jan of 2020. You talked to us a little bit about the idea for DM, how it came about, and what were the first few steps that you took to really get it off the ground? Yeah, so I guess we started properly building summer of 2020, but we launched a newsletter in January, late January, maybe of 2020. The idea for DM came when I had to take the morning after pill for the first time. And I'd had previously horrible side effects to taking birth control. I'd actually come off of it a few years prior. I just was like, searching for hours. Like I was asking all of my friends. I was asking all of the people in the office that would talk to me. I was like in every online forum. I was actually in a forum that was bright green. I vividly remember the color of it. Such a horrible green. It was like the last post was literally 10 years before I was reading it. And I'm like, why is this all we have? Like, why are we okay with this being the only thing that we have? Um, And we're sort of okay with not knowing about ourselves. And we're okay with not knowing where to find information on our bodies because we live in a default male society. When I started realizing that, I was like, wait, this is my first, like, it was my first real insight that while the collective knowledge of my sort of immediate circles was incredibly valuable, I didn't have access to it. It was incredibly time consuming to try and find that data. The information systems that we currently use just doesn't work to deliver you personalized results. And so that's where DM really came from. It started very health and wellness focused because that's where the initial problem came from. Um, And with my co-founder, we sort of built it out from there when we realized that this crowdsourcing, searching behavior is in everything in women's lives. It's not just our 
health that we do this for. We do it when trying to understand how to negotiate and ask for a promotion. We do it when we try and like understand the stock market or when we are trying to like learn how to develop our roles and our careers. It's like we ask people, like women are so social in how they share knowledge amongst ourselves. Um, and no platform represents that. Like we build these like nice spaces for women to connect and all of that sort of stuff, which are like lovely. And obviously like, yes, great women have spaces to connect. It's super important, but we don't solve the problem, which is that nowhere, like we're shouting into an abyss currently, all of this information that we share with each other goes absolutely nowhere. It gets lost in a group chat so over a dinner conversation. Someone forgets it. It's nowhere. Like you can't find it easily. And so with DM, what we're doing is building a place where the community members are incentivized to share what they know because you'll get paid for sharing what you know. Um, and we're capturing it in a net positive way. So that information and that data will go and help someone else. Like we'll build such algorithms that mean that someone will find the information that you are sharing that needs that information. And so it's really just like creating a virtualized search engine essentially, but it all stemmed from taking the morning after pill. <laughs> As the best business ideas do. I mean, yeah, you know. apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I love that. What have been some of your early challenges and struggles? You know, I'm sure setting out to do this, I mean, with anything really, wasn't easy. You quit your job, you know, there's the financial element. Can you talk to us a little bit about the early challenges you faced kind of getting this off the ground and then more so personally as the founder? I think always you're just as soon as you take on responsibility of something, like you, you are responsible for it. Um, and so there, there's like a lot of pressure that comes with that. It's like a, you're paying people. You have to make sure that you can raise money to keep paying them. You have to make sure your product works. You, there's a lot of stuff that's like really, really hard, which is why I think it's so important to have community around you um, in anything in life, but especially as you're going through a founder journey and not just a community of friends, like your friends are wonderful and like they're the best people in the world are pepping you up and promoting you and tag liking all your pictures and all of that sort of stuff. But unless, unless you are like really communicating with a founder, like there is no way anyone can understand. And I don't wish it upon anyone that they should understand um, just how stressful it is like every single day and the good stuff makes it worth it. So it's not like everything's terrible and there's no positive. There's a lot of positive, but just like sitting with another founder and being like raising money is like horrible or, Oh my God, like, we really screwed this up. We lost all of our users or like something like that. Just all of this stuff where it's so real and it happens to everyone, but having someone who just like, you can just sit very quietly with and they just understand why you need to be quiet is really valuable. What has your relationship with your co-founder been like? And how have you lent on each other throughout the last two years? I think any co-founder relationship is kind of like a legal commitment or well, is a literal legal commitment, but it's like a marriage. I think that the biggest strength that we have is that we neither of us want to do the other person's job. Like we have absolutely no ego whatsoever in that regard. And so I think it's very easy for us to sort of lean on each other because 
if I want to learn something about product or technology or whatever, I can ask Divya. And if she wants to know something about marketing, community building, any of the stuff that I'm good at, she can ask me. And so I think that we just like complement each other very well. Um, as with any co-founder relationship, there's always like, I think the best relationships you're able to like discuss something or have like a heated discussion and then like laugh about it afterwards. Because otherwise, like if you're both like nice and smiling and like agreeing with each other, you'll probably end up with a terrible company. So I think it's just like being accepting of the other person being like open to debate and open to healthy discussion. And yeah, just like you've picked them for a reason. So like trust why you picked each other. I love it. Oh, Emma, we could talk for days, but I am mindful of your time. I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I'd say just overall, I'm very happy. Like I feel very happy. So I think that's a win. Absolutely. Just like a physical, like physical win is, I think people forget that. It's like, it's fine to say you're proud of yourself. Like I'm proud of myself for getting where I am right now. Um, and no one says that enough. Um, but I think like an actual, like literal thing, getting a visa in the U S really hard to get a visa in the U S. So I think that was my first lesson in persistence, which for any entrepreneur, that is basically the biggest skill set is persistence. It's nothing. It's not even intelligence is just persistence. Um, and that was my first real, I'm going to persist and I'm going to get this visa. That was probably my biggest win. I don't really focus that much on failure. I guess like I wanted to go to UCL instead of KCL and then I ended up loving KCL more. So, and I did get into UCL. So maybe that was a slight failure, but it, I feel like any negative thing, it's just like a course correction. It's like, nope, now you're going this way. Yeah. I don't refocus on failure. Oh, look, Emma, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing. You know, you've gotten all these wins. You were recently featured on the Forbes at the 30 list, but more so than that, I think what you've showed us is that staying true and authentic throughout this journey is everything. And it's really cool to see someone in your kind of position and say that and make that really clear to us. And I think for all of the amazing women out there listening, all of our peers out there listening, I feel like I've personally resonated with that, but I feel like they can resonate with that too. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think everyone should create personal missions for themselves, for their lives. I think going after anything that you're passionate about or pursuing anything that you're passionate about is always very, very personal. And it comes from a place within you that has a desire to make a change. And I think that sometimes writing that down, like what is your personal mission statement for your life? Like what is it that you want to dedicate your life to doing? Um, if you, if you have the luxury to be able to do that is really, really powerful. Um, and once you figure out what that is, I think the value of pursuing it is just, you're never going to hate what you do. For example, even if DM doesn't grow to, it will, but it, it will grow. I'm manifesting. It will grow to a multi-billion dollar company. 
But if it doesn't, my personal mission is that I still want gender equality. I want like more types of power to exist in the world. I don't want it to be a masculine power that dominates this culture. And so that's my personal mission. As and when DM gets to that multi-billion dollar company and the next thing I do, I still want it to do with that personal mission. And like, it really helps you, I think, find your way. And the value really just comes back to like, you feel like you're achieving something, even if the things that you're doing are failing, (laughs) even if they did fail, you're still working towards your end goal, which is not just a job. It's not just a promotion. It's like your life's work in a way. Oh, so well said. Emma, thank you so much. This has been so awesome. Where can we learn more about you and DM? You can follow DM at AskDM, D-I-E-M on all social channels that you can find that handle. Then me personally, I'm Emma S.H. Bates um, on Instagram and Twitter. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. It's been so awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Peers.